You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the InsideCarolina.com podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. It is the game plan. With the Game Plan Podcast comes Greg Barnes and Jason Staples this week, Georgia Tech in Mercedes-Benz Stadium down in Atlanta, 7.30 Saturday night on ACC Network, the Tar Heels, and the Stormtrooper look travel down to Atlanta, a place where Carolina hadn't had a ton of success over the years. Of course, last game, 2019, Sam Howell did his thing as a freshman, Carolina won 38-22, did not play last season due to the weird COVID schedule. But, Greg, this has always been a sort of a weird game for Carolina. Granted, it's in a different stadium this time. But going down to Atlanta, it's never really been something that Carolina's had a ton of comfort with it. We've talked about Mac Brown in Virginia, teams with certain other teams. But Carolina's trip to Atlanta has potential to be a little bit hairy for the Tar Heels. Yeah, Georgia Tech is one of those programs that uh, they have a proud history, and, and they've always had some pretty solid teams. Um, you know, the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, they haven't had great teams, but Chan Gailey has some really good teams, um, you know, that could win eight, maybe nine games a year. And then we know what Paul Johnson did with, with that triple option. Uh, you know, he won the Coastal a couple times, uh, had some, some down years. Uh, but but it had some really good years. That was just kind of a tough matchup. And it really dates back. I mean, uh, Mac talked about it, I guess, on Wednesday about, um, you know, uh, the tie ball game back in what was that, 1990? Uh, I was there. Okay. So. I'm old, but I stole yeah. the mic from the mic man, and uh, we all went crazy. Yeah, it was a wild one. Yeah, and Tech, of course, <laughs> shared the national championship that year. Um, so this has been, you know, they've had quality teams and as, as North Carolina fans know, if you, if you really look back over the last, uh, 30, 35 years, North Carolina's had a few highs, uh, they've had many more lows. And so when you, when you're trying to, as you're struggling to get to a bowl game and you're going to a place that has your pretty decent teams, uh, you get up, you get a bunch of losses and that's what North Carolina's had. Uh, three and nine in the last 12 games down there, as you mentioned, Tommy, they did win 2019, uh, which was – they were not good in 2019 as, as Jeff Collins was just getting started. Um, they're still trying to, to rebuild, but I think they are significantly better now than they were. Um, but this is a road game, and uh, North Carolina has proven to be very good at home under Mike Brown, and now they've got to get to a point where they can go on the road and take care of business just as easily. Jason, this is a game that, uh, quite frankly, Carolina lost last season. Uh, I mean, they've got two examples on the schedule. They uh, they need to win this game if they're going to be as good as program as they think they're going to be and they expect to be. Um, but why is this Clemson matchup from Georgia Tech last week giving some Carolina fans pause and maybe some uh, of the pundits pause given how Georgia Tech lost to Northern Illinois to open the season. They have not been good in the first two years under Collins, but they've gotten better. 
But here we are um, with Carolina going down there, seemingly rolling at this point in Georgia Tech, one and two. Where, where's the where's the dynamic that uh, we're missing here? Well, I mean, the I think the main reason is the final score of that Clemson Clemson Georgia Tech game. I mean, I I would venture to guess that most folks who are looking at this didn't actually see the game. They saw the final score 14 to eight and became aware of the fact that Clemson was actually in, you know, they were in danger down the stretch in this game. And everybody knows, I mean, look, Clemson's been to how many playoff college football playoffs in a row? Bunch. So when you have a team that, yeah, six. So when you have a team that, takes them down to the wire well i mean even if it's a little bit of a down clemson team which i think it is for a couple reasons that's still a team you got to worry about then right because clemson has the talent to blow the doors off of teams that really don't belong even even you know this clemson team has has the ability to do that and they didn't get their their doors blown off so that means you better actually strap up and play this team. Yeah, they lost to Northern Illinois. But what this tells me is that this is a Georgia Tech team, and I think this is what most people are, are looking at here. They're saying this is a Georgia Tech team that can lose to Northern Illinois and take a top 10 team down to the wire. So what are you going to get? And that's the concerning part, right? You're looking at a team that could give you all you can handle if you don't bring it. So, but also a team that you should be able, you know, if you double tap early, you might be able to, to handle. So that's, I think what the, what the issue is when you're, when you're looking at why people are, are looking at this game, the way that they are. Greg, one thing looking at the Clemson game and, and yeah, Clemson's struggling, but Georgia Tech gave up 284 total yards to Clemson. And we talked a little bit off air. Um, Georgia Tech is pretty solid. In the back end, I think what I say earlier, they're fifth in pass defense in the nation. Uh, Carolina, this is not a sleepwalk, like to Jason's point, a sleepwalk in there. I think Clemson, the Clemson game helps Carolina because it wakes them up and it lets Mac say, hey, you see that? We got to be ready. Greg, speak to that aspect of it and speak to their defense. Um, I think the defensive line is a little lesser. Looking at the tail of the tape that Georgia Tech does on their media guide is pretty pretty interesting. Carolina offensive line, 6'4", 321. Georgia Tech defensive line, 6'3", 269. I think that is where Georgia Tech might struggle. I could be wrong. Greg, what do you say? Yeah, well, I think just watching that, that Clemson game, uh, either Clemson's offensive line is, is worse than we thought they were going to be. Uh, we knew there was going to be some struggles up front for the Tigers. Or Georgia Tech's got some guys that can make some noise. And really, when you look at what Georgia Tech did, yes, they're running that, that 3-3-5, which is similar to what Virginia's trying to run. Um, but they were content for, for a large section of that game to, to drop eight guys and really make DJ uh, beat them down the field, try to bait him. And uh, you would think by doing that, Clemson could lean on their, their ground attack with Will Shipley. It just didn't happen. And Georgia Tech did a really good job, even though when they were, they were dropping back, uh, to really be able to recover and limit what Clemson could do. I think Clemson uh, averaged maybe below four yards per carry. Um, 
And so that, I mean, that just kind of speaks to the, the amount of talent that Jeff Collins is coming, bringing in. We've talked about that over the last couple of years. Uh, guys, are great, great recruiters. You got a good staff. Um, also a really, really good evaluator. So not just yeah. ability to get players in, but when I see a player that Georgia Tech has, has been the first offer on in terms of the defensive side of the ball, especially nine times out of 10, I go and I watch that guy and I'm like, oh man, that guy's like fine. Like that guy's better than the rankings. They've done that over and over and over again since he, he arrived, yep. which makes them that much more dangerous because they've landed some guys that they're the three stars that they've landed have sometimes been better than their ranking. Yeah. And the other part of that too, is you have to be able to evaluate which is challenging to do in the transfer portal. Um, and if you look at what, what Collins has done really last year, but last couple of years is he, he's hit the, the portal pretty hard and has brought in some guys from some power five schools. And that's one thing that Mac Brown has talked about this off season. And I think he did earlier this week is that it's kind of hard to gauge how much growth a team can have from year to year. Now, when you start factoring in the portal, because if you can bring in six guys, who were pretty good players other places, but maybe didn't get the playing time they wanted. But you can bring them in, and all of a sudden, you've beeped up, beeped up certain spots where you were a little bit weak. Well, that makes a big difference, and it's kind of hard to gauge that because you're not just looking at recruiting rankings anymore. Um, and Collins trying to rebuild after uh, Paul Johnson's scheme, uh, he's kind of taking that approach, and I think that's part of it as well. So uh, they've they've made strides, they've gotten better. And yeah, I really I agree with the, the idea that, that North Carolina is better off because Georgia Tech uh, took Clemson to the wire. I mean, Georgia Tech had a first and goal there in the final minute where they could have uh, had a chance to, to maybe you know, force overtime and this kind of thing. So um, I do think this is a game where North Carolina has to has to be awake and they have to come and have to play play well. And we, we've talked about that, how this team playing their A game is going to be able to win a lot of these games. Uh, but if for some reason they, they come out and they're not you know, at that high level and Georgia Tech's ready to go in you know, a primetime game on Saturday night, well, you, you let them hang around, it's going to be a problem because, I mean, Clemson, they look great out of the gates on Saturday. And they, they went right down the field. Will Shipley scored a touchdown, go up seven zip, place is rocking. And Georgia Tech uh, kind of settled things down and really frustrated Clemson on the next couple of offensive possessions. And it was a ball game from their own. So, so Carolina needs to come out strong. They also need to come out with their A game. To, to your point about Collins building the roster, listen to these numbers. This is fascinating to me. They have 13 – or excuse me, they have 18 grads, grad students. So 18 guys have graduated. 74 of the 124 are freshmen eligibility-wise. So they've got the – you know, that – donut they don't have a ton of sophomores and juniors um, out there Jason to the point of Carolina being ready how how much or how beneficial was it for Carolina to play against the Virginia team um, and then you have Georgia Tech that basically did what Virginia did against Clemson I, I can't imagine that Georgia Tech comes out with that same setup against Carolina seeing how Carolina abused it against Virginia. So, so where does that put Longo as far as preparation this week? Um, you know, it's a good question. I, I do think that they're going to see a healthy dose of the same defensive setup. I mean, that is sort of what Georgia Tech 
brings to the table personnel wise that is going to give them the best chance against a team like uh, like Clemson or uh, or North Carolina. So I, I expect that you will see a good bit of that, uh, you know, Iowa State style three three five. And it's interesting Clemson struggled so much against it because it's what Clemson ran the last couple of years in terms of 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 their uh, uh, defensive adjustment to to that to run a lot of that stuff under Venables. So, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of that regardless, and it doesn't make it, I mean, it's helpful that you've gone against it and you've seen it. It doesn't necessarily make it a ton easier to execute against it. I mean, it it does help that you're not going to get fooled as often, I think, which is an important piece because, you know, you you don't want to turn it over. But, uh, but the big thing is making sure that your offensive line is in position to understand which gaps they have to block. Cause that's one of the things that, that, that three, three, five kind of uh, defense that they're running. What they're, what, a lot of what you try to do is use movement and use a lot of, of disguise to cause problems up front where you might bring five guys, but they might be a different five guys. And again, this is not that out of the norm for North Carolina. I mean, they see that from Jay Bateman's defense a good bit. Bateman runs a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, they, he's got the John Heacock, Iowa state packages as a big part of his defense uh, and they've been successful running them. So, you know, that's helpful, but the big thing is, can you make sure you execute and block their guys up front? And what they're trying to do with that is they're trying to use quickness and disguise to overcome a size disadvantage. They're going to try to shoot gaps and get penetration and disrupt enough that, you're just out of sync. That's what they're trying to force. So can Carolina get some rhythm is the real question. Greg, let's talk a little bit about health. Um, I believe Mike Brown, I think it was Mike Brown, said they're pretty healthy going into this game. Uh, a lot of guys missed practice last week, ended up playing against Virginia. Um, no ill effects from the cheap shots that folks still want, want us to talk about, which I think is over with. Um, but where does Carolina stand there, especially on that offensive line? Because I think Collins, or it may have been Georgia Tech's defensive coordinator, I listened to um, their pressers this week, and he talked about the offensive line being the same guys that leaned on his team last or two years ago. Um, and he fully expected Carolina to try to do the same thing. So where's Carolina there in that regard? Yeah, yeah, I think Brian Anderson's still clearly not 100%, uh, but – you really couldn't tell much of a difference with Azudu and, and Jordan Tucker when they came in. Um, and if anything, they were able to kind of work in at their leisure because the, the game really worked in North Carolina's favor, except for that second quarter. Um, and so they got a lot of, a lot of snaps without having to put too much pressure on themselves. Um, <clears throat> you know, Brian Anderson, clearly they need him back, man. That, that that's a challenge. And it's one of those things where, because it's a lower body injury, you know, he was in the boot, uh, in the off season. And, uh, you know, it's kind of just hampered him ever since you need to give him complete rest to absolutely get over it. But at the same time, he needs to play and he can play through it. It just kind of delays how quickly he can recover. And so it's that kind of balancing act of you want to get him back, but you also need him to play. Um, but I think that's really the, the only issue offensive line has. And then of course, you know, DJ Jones is a kid who just um, has not been able to stay healthy. And uh, somebody brought up the point that, you know, he got hurt last year and was not able to play in the Orange Bowl. Um, and you know, 
so since uh, Javante and Michael Carter left, you know, he's he's been limited, and uh, you know, there's opportunity there for him if he can stay healthy. But I thought Caleb Hood did, did a good job coming in and, and spelling Ty Chandler some last week. That's good for him to be able to knock the rust off and to have some success at the college level. Uh, that'll pay dividends, you know, this week and and, and coming forward. But I, I think more than anything, Ty Chandler having the game that he had to have some success to to really kind of mesh with what the offense wanted to do and to kind of fill it. Uh, I think that's critical for this offense. And uh, you know, Clemson really struggled, as I mentioned earlier, to, to take advantage of, of Georgia Tech trying to take away the pass. Uh, and with how North Carolina played on Saturday night, you have to like UNC's ability to, to provide a balanced option. So if Georgia Tech wants to take away the pass, uh, Carolina knows what to do about that. Yeah, you got to feel for a guy like DJ Jones. I mean, Carter and Javante are gone, and, and he can't stay healthy, like you mentioned. And he's missed multiple opportunities. Um, and then, of course, Carolina today gets a huge running back commitment. Uh, they got one from here in Clayton uh, a couple weeks ago. And a lot of a lot of bodies in that uh, running backs room next year. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys looking at each other, saying, uh, "Where where do I fit?" <laughs> and so Jones needs to get healthy in a hurry to be able to show what he's got. Jason, before we go to break and get into the game plan after break, Ty Chandler, uh, you know, it's tough to argue any other thing other than he had a great game Saturday night against Virginia. But what did he show you specifically um, that sort of alleviated some of the running game issues that we were concerned about uh, week one and two? Well, I suppose I'm going to zig where you're expecting me to zag in that <laughs> I don't know that he showed me anything that he – hadn't already he, detail he, he still he still to me looked like the same back the biggest difference was that, that there were more opportunities because of the way that virginia defended him and because of the way that uh that they that, that the carolina offensive line played as a whole that he had more seams to be able to get vertical to be able to get upfield and the thing about him is, you know, he's faster in a straight line than both Carter and Williams from last year. If you get him rolling with a head of steam moving north-south, he's going to be awfully hard to catch. He, 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 that long speed is legit. He can run. He does not have the same kind of vision or uh, connection between his eyes and his feet that either Carter or Williams had. He's closer to Carter on the vision side, but, but uh, not, not as good with his feet. And then, you know, Williams was elite in terms of his ability to, to see something and then just plant without losing speed. I don't see quite that with, with Chandler. He's a guy where if you can make him change direction at the line of scrimmage, if you make him have to move, move, you know, a couple yards sideways or, or you know, and, and do that sort of thing before he's actually able to get to speed. That's where he's going to have more trouble. And Virginia was not able to, to force him to do that. And so when he got into that, into that second gear, by the time he got into second gear and he's moving straight forward, well, then he just, he, he becomes what he is. I mean, you saw the same stuff against Virginia that you saw when he was at his best at, at Tennessee where, you know, the guy can fly and he'll break tackles if you hit him high. And, you know, he's got 
pretty good contact balance overall once he gets to speed. So, you know, you've got a quality back there. You just have to make sure that he's able to get that, that you're not requiring him to make a lot of, a lot of cuts or to change direction a bunch before he, before he gets to that second level. 198 yards, two touchdowns. He, he certainly produced healthy day a healthy day. It's pretty good. Pretty good day. Um, he doesn't have the, the, what, you, what, you, what you're saying is he doesn't have the wiggle that Josh Downs has. Yeah, I would say that that's fair. I would say, um, I would say that that's true of most guys, most human beings. Yeah. I would say that's true of most players. Uh, you know, there's how many guys in college football would you say have the wiggle of Josh Downs? That's an interesting question. Is the answer over or under five? What do you think, Greg? I don't watch enough. I used to, I cannot say that I've seen anybody. I may have to look, but I mean, just, just a little bit that I've seen, I'd have to say under at this point. I might default to the under as well. I mean, I haven't watched enough to be confident in that, but I think it may be, it may be true that there might not be five guys in the country that have that kind of wiggle. Yep. Your breakdowns this week. And if folks hadn't watched them, they go back and look at them. Just the little, the false step or the, the hard step that gets guys just spinning in circles. And then like you mentioned on your videos, it's over. As soon as you turn around, it's over. It's filthy. And the thing is, it's graduate level route running from a guy who is eligibility wise, a freshman. Yep. You're looking at, at a guy who, who's able to do those things. And look, I knew how to do those. I teach that stuff. But when I do, when I do it and when most guys do it, it doesn't look like it's just natural second nature. That, that's a whole different level of like, he's got this in his bones to where it's just intuitive. Now he just does it. And it's just, it's just beautiful to watch. Yeah, absolutely. That. Let's take a break and we'll come back after the break. Talk about the actual game plan. I'm sure that guy, Josh Downs will get mentioned here because I have a feeling a big day is coming. Johnny t-shirts, our sponsor. Jason didn't give it to me. Johnny t-shirt is our sponsor. Still didn't give it to me. We're sponsored by Johnny t-shirt and Johnny t-shirt.com. See, man, you gotta, we gotta get on the same page. They, uh, they offer great stuff over there on East Franklin Street. Go visit them on game days. Uh, they have been packed in there the first couple of weeks, the home games. Of course, this week's not a home game, so you can order it online and do so. You get 10% off your order if you're inside Carolina Premium subscriber, and they look after you with some great stuff. Look, my wife ordered some Johnny T-shirt uh, day before yesterday. When I woke up yesterday morning, it was on the porch. So I'm not quite sure when it came. And we live in at least an hour from their warehouse. So I don't know if somebody rode down here on a bicycle in the middle of the night. Whatever happened, we got it in almost less than 24 hours. Great service, great support, and great friends of Inside Carolina. Let the national guys pay some bills here. We'll be right back with the game plan. That's Greg. That's Jason. I'm Tommy. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Ross Martin from Inside Carolina. And I want to talk to you about Inside Carolina's new podcast sponsor. It's Blue Shark Vodka. Blue Shark Vodka is a family-owned vodka company based out of Wilmington and Wrightsville, North Carolina. It's available in all 100 counties. And the thing about Blue Shark Vodka is it's the smoothest vodka in the world. It's made with sweet North Carolina corn to create the world's smoothest vodka. It's been distilled four times and then mellowed for 28 days to create that full blooming and awaking flavor each batch is in triple filtered giving it a smooth clean finish and it eliminates any of the alcohol bite guys i've been using it recently with some soda water fruit juice little lime juice it's great for tailgates it's light 
It's smooth, and it's an award-winning premium vodka from North Carolina, local and family-owned, and it's available, once again, in all 100 counties. So head to your local ABC store to check out Blue Shark Vodka. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back. InsideCarolina.com podcast, The Game Plan, Georgia Tech Edition, Greg Barnes and Jason Staples. Uh, I, I'd sort of alluded to where I was going prior to the break, talking about Virginia and Georgia State do very similar things. So, Greg, let's talk about it. Carolina's offensive approach here, uh, why is it any different than what we saw against Virginia? Yeah, I don't know that it is. Um, as I said, you, Tony Elliott really talked about how Georgia Tech did a good job confusing DJ um, and – you know, they, they were squatting some, they were uh, pressing at the line, then, then dropping off a lot of little things like that, just to kind of get him thinking about where he wanted to go. That's going to work against DJ because he's only started a couple games. I mean, Sam Howell's, what is he now? 28 games in. Uh, I don't know that's going to work quite as well with, with Sam. And uh, I think with Sam's ability to throw the ball down the field, in the way that the North Carolina uses their RPO game. And then you add in the fact that North Carolina has an offensive line that finally clicked in the last game. Uh, I think it's going to be challenging. And it would not surprise me to, to see Jeff Collins and, and his staff try to you emulate what they did last week. And, and it, it makes sense that you want to limit what Carolina can do throwing the ball down the field because they scored so quickly in the passing game early last week. And Virginia was just playing from behind from the get-go. Um, but if you do that, you know, North Carolina has proven uh, that they can have success running the ball. And so it's, it's going to be a challenge for Georgia Tech. And um, I, I'm not sure that Georgia Tech has enough to be able to really slow the, the, the offense down enough. I think they're going to have to be able to force turnovers, which they've, they've shown the ability to do a little bit. Um, but if Carolina plays like they did against Virginia, it's, it's going to be a long, long night for Georgia Tech. Jason, same question here. I think if my memory serves, in 2019, they fooled Howell as a freshman. He threw a pick um, to a backside linebacker, if my memory serves. Um, they'll probably try to do similar things. But like Greg said, we got third-year Sam Howell running out there for North Carolina. Now, how does that change the game as far as what Georgia Tech is going to try to do? Well, I mean, I think they still try to do the same stuff, by and large. It's just – less likely to fool him i mean i think that's the that's the the bare bare bones truth of it now i will say we should be careful about looking at a at a three three-man line and and the three three five type approach or three two six as they were in sometimes looking at that and saying okay they're just they're focusing on stopping the on stopping the pass and they're giving up the run that sort of thing a lot of what you're doing in that particular setup where you've essentially got that that fifth that fifth defensive back in the middle of the field Iowa State style the design of that defense is not really to 
is not just to stop the pass. The design is to be really flexible in how you stop the run. And that's one of the things that they, they gave Clemson trouble, not because they tried to take away the pass and were willing to give up the run, but rather because Clemson wasn't really able to do a whole lot of either on. I mean, you look at, at the, uh, at the defensive numbers, Clemson averaged 3.85 yards per carry against Georgia tech. And they've given up 3.79 yards per carry on the year. They're not giving up a whole lot on the ground. I mean, even in the game against Northern Illinois, which they lost by a point, mostly because they just didn't score enough. When you give up 21 points in today's game, you expect to win the game. They gave up 22. So, I mean, you, you expect to win that game, but 3.93 yards per carry. So what they're doing is the whole design of the 335 is, is basically in this, in, in this kind of setup. And, and this goes back to when, uh, when that staff took over at Iowa state. And I think it's one of the best staffs in the country. I mean, I, I think those guys do an unbelievable job, Matt Campbell and, and that, that group up there, they were running a typical four, two, five defense, trying to match up with the teams that they were playing in the, uh, in the big 12 and they were getting blown out. They could not hang with those teams defensively. And it was about a third of the way. It was after the Texas game in their second, second year, I think it was after the Texas game in their second year there, Campbell and his staff had basically had a, had a meeting where they, they, he basically said, look, if we don't figure something out here, we're going to get fired. We're not going to be in this job very long. We can't run the same stuff we ran at Toledo because our guys can't do it here. So let's figure out what we can do at our talent deficit with the talent we have to try to hide our problems and, and take some stuff away. And that's where he and Heacock and that staff came up, came out with what they're doing and what Georgia tech's doing. And the whole design of it is basically saying, look, we can't match up with you up front. We're not recruiting on the level of Texas and OU and the rest so we can't put, you know, three, 300 pounders up there and run tight front and expect to be able to stop the, you know, stop the, the, the opposing defense by two or the opposing offense by two gapping and playing the pass. We can't do it. But what we can do is we are undersized a bit as a defense, but we got some athletes and we can basically put ourselves in a position where we're going to have three unselfish guys up front who are just going to try to create havoc in a variety of different ways. And we're going to put them, we're going to stunt with them. We're going to do some things. The whole design is basically to have those guys kind of make a mess there and have the three linebackers and especially that fifth defensive back in the middle of the field, but also those two safeties essentially run to the football and funnel everything on defense as a, in the running game. And so essentially you're going to take away by and large by design, a lot of the big plays out of the running game. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to say, okay, well, you know, we may not be able to hang with you up front, but when you get to two, three yards, we're going to have four guys from our, from our back seven, back eight that are converging on the football. And you're going to have a bunch of helmets fly in there. And because they're coming from so far off the ball, it's going to be hard for your offensive linemen to get a handle on them. It's going to be hard for them to get it. You're going to have a hard time getting a hat on a hat. So we're just going to have quick guys basically running to the football and you're going to have a hard time blocking them because they're a different kind of guy than your linemen are built to block in a phone booth. Well, we're not going to play in a phone booth then. And Georgia Tech's do, kind of doing that. And so when Clemson was running the ball on them, 
you, what you would see is Clemson for the most part would get, you know, get some yardage. And then all of a sudden you'd see those guys converge and then it would be four yard gain, three yard gain. Sometimes they'd get a, a tackle for loss because somebody would get a run through and, you know, maybe, and sometimes because of the disguise, the offensive line blows, blows an assignment. And now you get a tackle for loss and things change. So a lot of this is what Jay Bateman does. Like I said, I mean, they, they do a lot of this as well. So again, it's not a matter of, well, if Carolina can just come in and, you know, they're undersized and they just got to bully them and run the football. It's not quite that simple because what the, that's what they're trying to lure you into doing. They want you to come in and try that. And then basically you go two yards where it looked like it should be eight, but all of a sudden you got tackled because of these guys converging quickly, then three yards. And now it's third and five and they got a shot. Right. That's what they're trying to do. So what you have to do is as, as North Carolina is, first of all, you have to be very good with your second level blocks from the offensive line. That's got to be an absolute emph emphasis in, in practice this week is you got to make sure you're blocking the right people from the right angles up front. And then you've got to get to that second level when you're in the running game. Uh, when you're in the passing game, they're going to run a, a lot of different coverages that are going to look the same off the snap. And that's going to be tricky because again, they're running five defensive backs that are going to, they can line up in a spit in the same shell and run quarters, cover three, cover one robber, standard man free, a variety of these things all out of the exact same pre-snap look. So as a quarterback, that's where Howell's experience comes in and he should be able to diagnose after the snap more quickly than most. But again, that's going to force you to execute in that area. So I don't think that this is quite as straightforward as, okay, just run the rock, pound those guys. If you can do that, if you, if you, I, I would definitely start with that. And if you do have success running the ball on them, then don't stop. Don't mess with it. Just run, just pound them. Cause that means you're getting your hands on those second level guys. If, but you have to come in prepared for not being able to necessarily do that as much as it looks like on the pre-snap you should be able to do. And that's where you've got to find ways to get Josh Downs the ball, especially on the edge, different things, because they're going to try to take away the middle of the field with that, with that middle safety. But I would run a lot of trips just like they did against, uh, against Virginia. I would try to, try to move Josh Downs around to cause some problems where you can actually create a one-on-one -on -one despite the fact that they're in five DBs. See what kind of match matchups you can, you can create to get a couple, a couple plays early and see if you can work from there. Tommy, Georgia Tech has 15 tackles for loss this season. That's, that's second, uh, tied for second fewest in the ACC. They have two sacks, which is tied for the fewest in the ACC. Um, so they've had defensive success without actually getting after, getting into the backfield very often. Um, and as I said earlier, I mean, I was watching the Clemson game. They, they had some guys that could dis be disruptive up front, more so than probably what we've seen North Carolina do to be honest. Um, but having said that, I, I think, I think that sets up for, for Sam Howe to, uh, you know, the offensive line should have some success and, and giving him some time in the pocket. And he has just proven time and time again, that if you give him time in the pocket, he will eat you alive. Um, and we are seeing some of these unique schemes. I, I thought it was fascinating that, that Phil Longo said that three, three, five was his off season project that it's become such a popular defense around the country 
uh, that he, he spent a lot of time this offseason talking with other guys that have gone against it, other guys that have caught, uh, coached it, to really, <laughs> figure out, to really figure out what's the best way to attack it. Um, and if, <laughs> if last Saturday night's an indication, uh, he learned a few things. And so, uh, you know, I think the combination of him having kind of an understanding of what, what's to expect along with Sam Howe just, just being Sam Howe, I think it's going to be a challenge for Georgia Tech. They are, I mean, they are good def- defensively. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I just think this is a tough matchup against Sam Howe. I agree with that. And one other thing to build on here, you mentioned how few tackles for loss and sacks they have. They've also, on the flip side, been very good at not giving up long plays. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. They've only given up four plays over 30 yards. Yep. Right? North Carolina has given up double that. What, seven? Yeah, seven. They've given up one play over 40 and one play over 50 and none over that. This is a team that, that on the year has just not given up a bunch of chunk plays. I mean, you look at their, their 20 plus yards per play given up. They are right now eighth in the country tied for eighth in the country in number of 20 plus yard plays given up with seven, right? That means that, that what they're doing, like I said, is they're, they're depending on the ability to converge and say, well, you know, you might get four, but you're not getting 30, right? North Carolina has given up, uh, let's see, and Carolina's been pretty good on defense this year. They've given up 14 plays of over 20 yards, 14. Georgia Tech has given up seven, right? So this is a game where, if I'm North Carolina, I'm expecting to have to come in and march the ball down the field without mistakes. I'm not expecting to be able to just do what I did against, uh, against Virginia. This is where they're running the same defense in, in a lot of respects in terms of structure as what Virginia does. But against Virginia, North Carolina could come in and basically count on a, a series of big plays. Right? Josh Downs, you know, that first touchdown just told you, like, that is a slow Virginia team, <laughs> right? That, that team can't run. Um, and that's why Virginia has given up 14 plays over 20 yards on the season, right? They've, they've struggled against that. But this Georgia Tech team is kind of the inverse. They can run in the back seven. They, they've got some guys that, that, you know, you could see against Clemson. They were not that inferior physically in terms of their their back seven and that's a difference from georgia tech in recent years where they've been under paul johnson they'd gotten really physically inferior defensively and they've sort of rebuilt that cupboard a little bit and they've got some guys that can run in the back seven and they're depending on that to basically say we're going to do this but you're going to have to do it without we're going to we're going to do this we're going to give up give up a few plays in here but you're going to have to do it without the big plays whereas against virginia carolina could go with those big plays Against Georgia Tech, I think the, you know, you hope you can get them, but I don't think you can count on them the same way. That'll be the, the thing to watch there is Carolina lives off the big play. Can they put together a eight, nine, 10 play drive? I, I, and that's dri- going to demand patience from Sam Howell. Yeah. I, I, Greg, uh, your project is how many drives of 10 plays or more has Carolina had under Phil Longo? Let's flip it around to uh, the defense, Carolina's defense versus Georgia Tech's offense. You know, Jeff Sims kind of went MIA 
after he, I guess he got hurt against Northern Illinois at first game of the season. And Jordan Yates has come in. Everybody knows the Yates name. Greg, Carolina's defense gave up a ton of passing yards. I, I'm looking at – this is another – Georgia Tech's uh, field notes are pretty good. Most completions in a game since 2002 for Georgia Tech. They list, you know, the, the number. The more completions they have, the more L's they have. That is fascinating. It's like all their good games passing resulted in losses. So can Georgia Tech, with what you've seen thus far this season, take advantage of what Virginia was able to do? Granted, Brennan Armstrong's probably one of the best quarterbacks Carolina will see. But how does Georgia Tech approach Carolina's defense? How does Carolina's defense sort of get back on the ship after that performance, especially in the passing game last week? So repeat that stat to me. It's the most completed passes since when? So they have a list on here. It says most completions in a game since 20 or 2002, Georgia Tech. And it goes from 27 to 14, but yeah. 75% of the games they've lost when they've right. had to throw it a lot. Well, see, that's, that's the uh, art of statistics, right? Because <laughs> uh, Paul Johnson was the head coach for the majority of that time. <laughs> like he's, his first year was 07, I believe. And the only time he really threw the ball other than to hit on a big play early in the game was when he was behind. Um, so that's, that's part of the, <laughs> that's part of the, uh, the joy there. Um, yeah, I think Georgia tech offensively uh, they're getting better. And I really think Jordan Yates is, is a playmaker. He's steady. He's smart. He can make some plays uh, just not really an explosive type guy. Uh, you know, Jeff Sims, I think the promise of, of Sims is that he's kind of in that Lamar Jackson mold where he could fly. He had a good body, had a big arm, just has struggled to kind of put it all together. He's had some good games, but I just really struggled. Whereas Yates is, is not that big. He's kind of a smaller guy. He's just a heady player. Um, and you can have success with those guys, but just really haven't seen enough to suggest that you, he can, he can be able to deliver uh, and put a ton of points on the board. If you play good defense, which Georgia Tech has done, and you have that kind of quarterback, and you have the, the running backs that Georgia Tech does, you can play a competitive game, and you can really rely on your defense and, and play that complementary style and have some success. Uh, but I think for, for Georgia Tech to be able to win this one, they're going to have to have some explosive plays. Um, and they're going to have to – that starts with being able to run the ball. And as much as we want to talk about the, the passing stats, because they were – <laughs> they were uh, record-setting last weekend. Uh, Carolina's done a pretty good job this year of stopping the run, and that's been a focus of, of Mac Brown. That's something Jay Bateman has really emphasized since he came to, to Chapel Hill a few years ago, that, that that's what he wants to be able to do. Um, and so there's no Brennan Armstrong on the, on the other side of the equation here. And I think, I think that poses a problem for Georgia Tech because – uh, they're going to have a hard time generating much of a, a ground game. Um, I mean, they've, you know, Jamar Gibbs is, is really a good running back. Um, and so they'll probably have some success, but really seeing how that matchup plays up up front early will really tell us a lot because North Carolina is able to put Georgia Tech behind the chains or maybe is able to get a lead and forces Jordan Yates to, to lead a comeback. That's a lot to put on a young kid who hadn't played a lot of games. Jason, does, does what happened last week, and, and granted, like Greg said, it's not going to 
it's going to be much different um, this week. But does something that happens like that make Jay Bateman nervous, or is it a one-off? I mean, five hundred and that's a lot. I mean, does he? <laughs> 554 for Brennan. <laughs> Never seen it in your lifetime, Tommy. I, I know. I thought I thought I had, but no. The the guy looked like um a Tecmo Bowl passer <laughs> against Carolina. Does but to my point, or to my question at least, does Jay Bateman panic at all after an outing like that, especially going against the team, Jason, it's not gonna have the same guy that's slinging it. If T if Jordan Yates throws for five hundred yards, um, I will eat this computer on on air next week. Yeah, I, I think your your computer's safe. But um, my my short answer is no. Bateman's not going to panic, and and here's why. How many how many drives did uh, Virginia have last week? It said twelve. Eleven, twelve, twelve. Yeah, the last one ended with the clock running out. Yeah, so 12 drives, including the, the, the last one where the, the, the clock ran out on them. How many, uh, how many drives did they score on? Six. We talked about this on the day after, so I actually remember these numbers. Yeah, six drives. You take it all day. If, if I'm playing defense and I've got Carolina's offense backing me up and I'm only giving up a score of any type on 50% of drives – I'm feeling pretty good. Now, do you want better than that? Absolutely. <laughs> You're not satisfied with that. But at the same point, that's not, that's not a time to panic. That's a time to say, look, you're playing a really good quarterback who executed well, receivers who executed well, and you still only gave up scores half the time. You can live with that. The other reason that he's not panicking is it was a game plan, right? The game plan all along was to make Virginia one-dimensional. And essentially what they said is, look, we got really good corners. We feel good about our corners. If you can beat Tony Grimes over and over again down the field, and we tip our cap and say, good luck on doing that again, because you, at some point in football, it always comes down to that. It always does. That you know, scheme this, scheme that. Players, not plays, is really the, is really where the game is won. Because at some point, it's going to come down to can your guy beat his guy. And when you look at the defense, and you're saying, okay, you know, if, if this is you know old school, you know, you're going to have to choose your Achilles to go out and fight their Hector. Who are you choosing? Right. Who's going to be your champion that you're going to say, I think my guy can win his matchup on this Carolina team. If not the first guy, one of the first guys you're trotting out there is going to be a cornerback. In particular, you're looking at Tony Grimes at the guys that they've had on the field. Once, uh, once storm duck is fully healthy, he'd be another guy that you might push out there first. Right? So what you're doing is you're saying, look, we're going to put our chips in, in, in there. We're going to bet that hand. And we're going to bet that you can't keep drawing an inside straight against the odds here. The odds are that you're eventually going to run out of run out of good cards against that guy and against the guy on the other side, McMichael, who's a good corner. And then once you get a little further along, you add duck to the mix and it's even more the case. 
So you say, look, we're going to live or die by our strength on defense. And that's going to be our secondary. And that also includes JQ Conley, right? You put Conley out there and you say, you know, that might, that guy in, in, in certain matchups might be the guy you stick out there too. So you say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to live and die. If you can beat these guys over and over again, then we're going to tip our cap. But we don't think you can do it enough to be able to win overall when our offense is also going to get their shot. And then you go against a team like Georgia Tech and you say, okay, on this team, who are we afraid of? Right? When you're game planning, that's the first thing you do as a defensive coordinator. You, you try to figure out like, okay, you're circling on, their, you know, on your scouting report. Which guys are we actually afraid of? Which guys can really change the scoreboard? Which guys can hurt us? And you go, you, you get against, you go against the best offenses and their teams where, you know, they got five guys that you're circling, like, well, got to know where that, you know, he can really hurt. He can last year's North Carolina team. Who are you circling? Well, I'm starting with Javante Williams. We got to limit what, whenever he's there, we got to make sure we know where he is. Cause he, that guy's a, that guy's a beast. But when he's not on the field, we got to circle his replacement. And then we also got to worry about that guy on the outside, the Ami Brown. He can change the scoreboard with a quickness. And then they got a pretty good slot here who's changed the scoreboard pretty well, right? Daz Newsom. And you, by the end of it, you're like, well, looks like we're going to have to play honest defense across the board, right? Against a team like Georgia Tech, you look at this and you go, hmm, who, who really scares me as a receiver? I mean, they got a couple guys that are okay that, you know, you got you got, but there's nobody that I'm worried about that. I can't single cover the guy I'm circling. They got one guy and that's Jameer Gibbs. He's got a little Dalvin cook to his game in terms of his ability to accelerate and take off. He's the one guy on their team that you have to worry about the big play with. They got a, uh, the uh, number four as well is a pretty good player in that regard. So, you know, basically you, you deal with those and you don't give up big plays when those guys have the ball in their hands and you single cover the outside guys and you, it's the same game plan. And you expect to give up about 30 fewer points just because of the matchups. So no panic. If they go out there and they abuse your corners again, then maybe you reevaluate whether or not, you know, you have the guys that you thought you did, but I don't see any reason that he would do anything other than what he what he did last week. Fun fact. Who's, yeah. who, who, let, let me, Greg, I know you got a great point, but I got a fun fact. Who's Carolina's first ever football coach ever? Hector. Hector Cowan. You mentioned trotting out of Hector. You're Hector. There's Hector Cowan. 1980, 1889, he went two and two. Greg Barnes, top that, baby. <laughs> I can't. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna hang it up. Uh, I just hope he didn't get dragged all the way around Keenan Stadium or wherever they were playing in 1889 or whatever. So I don't dispute anything that Jason said. The question for me is: Yes, Carolina's defense did just enough that they fell down in front of Virginia just enough to allow the offense to to win the game. It's Greg Barnes, ladies and gentlemen. That's Greg um, Barnes. North Carolina's offense scored on 10 of 11 drives and scored touchdowns on nine drives, right? Let's see. Are those, are those good numbers, Greg? It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, so 
for North Carolina to be the team they want to be, this defense has to has to step up and, and play better. Um, the fact that you know, Jay Bateman says the you know the Virginia had an empty backfield and and half of their snaps, and yet Carolina is blitzing on occasion and still not getting much pressure at all. That's a problem. And if we want to sit here and say, well, Virginia may be the best offense they play all year, which is possible. Okay. Uh, but the defensive front needs to take a step forward. And yes, yeah, I know the Florida they played- State's on their schedule. So, I mean, you, they might. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Virginia Tech's you know, tough up front, but that's not an explosive offense by any stretch of the imagination. Um. You know, Wake Forest is coming up, and that's a non-conference game. But I, I really, I really think this defense needs to to take some steps forward. Yes, you can lean on Sam Howell in this offense. I mean, Sam Howell is a special talent. He's a, he's a generational kid. Uh, you've only got him for the rest of this year, though. And so I think for North Carolina to kind of set the the framework for what they want to be, that's got to begin now because they've got the pieces in the secondary. There's no question about it. They got some really good players in the secondary, uh, but they got embarrassed on Saturday night. And yes, Armstrong had a lot of very good passes. Yes, there were some miscues by some of the defensive backs. Uh, but when Brendan Armstrong has as much time as he had, I mean, any good quarterback is going to take advantage of that. So we've seen Sam Howell do it a bunch. Uh, and so I just really think that does the defense is the defense good enough for North Carolina to roll in Atlanta and win on Saturday? Yeah, of course. But for this team to take that next step and to become a top 10 team, because I don't think they're there yet, even though we had that conversation in the preseason, they're not there yet. And a big part of that is that defensive effort. I mean, watching Clemson play this year, I, I know offensively they've struggled. I mean, defensively, they are, they are a long way ahead of where Carolina is. Um, and so I, I think, I think Jay can scheme around some of those issues right now, but they need some of those young guys to really come on and they need them to come on very quickly for, for this season to play out the way that, that Mac Brown and the fan base hopes it to. Yep. Need to start on Saturday night against Georgia tech team that Jason says doesn't have, but one or two playmakers it should be an interesting ball game. So Jason, I'll start at your desk with predictions. Um, I'm still only have one loss. Um, Greg has a loss because he picked Virginia to win. You should have two losses, Jason, uh, but you were scared to switch the Virginia game. And I'm talking about preseason pod. I don't. We're not going to talk about pregame pods. Anyway, what's happening in this one? Give me a score, Greg. I'm going to mute your microphone so you can't hear the score <laughs> since y'all piggyback <laughs> each other. Yeah. Um. You know, I think this one is certainly going to be a very different kind of game than what you saw last week. I don't expect to see a track meet. I, see, I expect to see something where you're going to you're going to see two two offenses uh, against defenses that are that are that are pretty good. Uh, so I, I think this will be something where I expect Carolina to win this, I, I, and I feel pretty comfortable in that. But they're going to have to fight for this, and I do think the defense is going to have to sort of front that because I, I think the offense is going to be forced to be so efficient in terms of long drives without as many big plays, and that's not been a strength of Carolina uh, this year. So 
I think this is going to end up being something like 27 to 13 Carolina. Uh, that's around where I would put it. I'll go ahead and go with that as my final answer. Greg, I All saw right, just, yours. Just to be fair, I went ahead and sent it to Tommy just so. Just he so, did. He sent it to me before you <laughs> were able to get it out of your mouth. So yeah. y'all there's are at least not a, cheating. A, there's, a, there's a little bit bigger difference than we normally have. But I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I think uh, I've got Carolina winning 35-17. Um, I'm curious to see how Georgia Tech comes out. Um, because if they really utilize uh, the performance they had on Saturday at Clemson, at Clemson, I think they can use that and get some energy out of it and, and feel good about themselves. And if they can somehow get to, to halftime, this game being close, uh, uh, I think that would be good for Carolina just to have to be able to play through that. I just think the offense is, is just too good. Uh, and Georgia Tech doesn't really have a counter on either side of the ball. And because Sam Howell's on one side and is the best player on the field, uh, I've got North Carolina winning this one, covering the spread, which I believe is 12, uh, which is, I think it's a little bit low, but it's, it's fair enough. Interesting. I'm going to save my pick for the pregame or Inside Carolina Live pregame show. Um, I do find it interesting that they're calling this mayhem at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think Georgia State would be better served in this game to be at home um, at their home stadium. Cause I think having it in a Mercedes is going to have a lot of North Carolina fans it's, there. And it's, it's a pure recruiting. Yeah. And, uh, it works both ways for North Carolina and for Georgia tech. So it will be interesting. Carolina wearing all white, which is another oddball because Georgia tech usually wears white at home. So I, I suspect we'll see some sort of a new uniform or some different uniform for Georgia tech, whatever it takes for those guys to get up. Jason Staples and Greg Barnes on the same page, if not a little bit wider spread for Greg. It's been the Game Plan Podcast. We'll be back with you, I guess, uh, 4.30 on Saturday on WCHL 97.9 and streaming and all that stuff with Joey Powell inside Carolina Live. Jason Staples will be calling in. Greg Barnes hopefully will be calling in for Mercedes-Benz. Might even get an appearance from Arnold. Arnold will show up and testify. (laughs) Yeah, uh, <laughs> crazy man. But that's been it for the game plan. I'm getting out of here as tired. It's been a long week. If you have not watched Fathers of the Defense that Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, and myself did with uh, three pillars of North Carolina, Jay Bateman's defense, uh, those guys were great. Uh, last night is still up on YouTube and, of course, on Mega – or, excuse me, on Apple and iTunes and all that stuff. Jason, Greg, appreciate you joining me. Johnny T-shirt, thanks for sponsoring us. You guys do us well. Appreciate it, boys. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.